All right, well, this is our fourth week in the parenthood class. And uh, how has it gone so far? Has it been helpful? What are things that, that have stood out? that we've seen is that Christianity is family life. It, it's very much uh, organized in a way that the family shows up in the way that we understand God, His nature. Um, you know, essentially, He is Father, Son in the Trinity. And uh, that's, that's the first and essential relationship the primary re- way we relate to God is as adopted children. So, again, family. He's our father, we are his children. Our primary relationship with one another is as brothers and sisters in the home or in the church. The family is where all these biblical categories are, are understood and formed. And our homes... Our own little homes uh, give us a small picture of God, the gospel, the church. And, and we form these positively in our homes. Or sometimes, by contrast, we, we can see them negatively when our homes fall short of God's standard. But even that, we said, is helpful for us to think about what the Bible has to say. One of the implications of this fact is that in our parenting, we want our relationships with our children to be an image for the world uh, about our relationship with God. So obviously we want to do this only in the in appropriate ways. We, we don't want our children to worship us, for example. Uh, That wouldn't be helpful. But the fatherhood of God is our model for understanding how to be parents ourselves, both moms and dads. As parents, we want to image or reflect God's character. So what does this mean? Well, among other things, it means that our children need to learn to be people under authority. God is our Father. He's our authority. So just as we live under God's authority as His children, uh, so our children 
need to learn to live under our authority. Very practically, therefore, our goal in our, in our children's lives, the goal from zero to five years old, zero to five years old, is to establish this authority so that they know who is the authority. And, and we do that by teaching obedience. It also means that in love, we want them to become more and more like Christ. So this is God's loving plan for us. It's also God's loving plan for our children. So our goal then in ages 6 to 12 is to, be, or to help them grow in godly character. So ages 0 to 5 is to establish authority, teaching obedience. Ages 6 to 12 is, or, or thereabouts, is to help them grow in character. In the end, we want our children to be worshipers of the true and living God. And then to eventually serve in the church or serve as adults in the church. And all of that is really by God's grace. We can't make that happen. Well, we could make that happen, but it won't be helpful. Uh, God has to work in our children's hearts, but he uses us in the process. So how do we train our children to do all these things? Can we train our children to do these things? Well, ultimately, salvation is a work of God. But he has given us a role in helping them understand these things. So salvation is God's work, but he gives us as parents and even as, as aunties a role in that salvation process. So uh, describing how parents usually do this, uh, author Ted Tripp in his book Shepherding a Child's Heart says it really well that we often focus wrongly uh, too much on outward behavior. Uh, usually it, we're just reacting to what we don't like in, uh, in the kid's behavior. Will you stop doing that? You play nice. You know, those kind of things. And it makes sense, he says, because the behavior, or typically their bad behavior, is what got our attention in the first place. <laughs> You know, so we're oftentimes, as parents, we're reacting to their behavior. Uh, just, I guess, an example of that might be with our kids, you know, trying to teach them to, to do to others as you would have them do to you. Uh, you know, I, I usually was doing that when they weren't doing it. I was, let me teach you this, when they weren't doing it. That's not always the best time. To teach something like that. Okay. Well, so of course we want to correct what we see is not going well. And for some of that, for some of us, focusing on behavior, it might just be copying what we, the way that we've been parented. You know, this is what mama used to do or daddy used to do. Sometimes that's our approach to, uh, to parenting. But if our goal is to image our adoption as God's children, this 
approach will obviously fall short because our parents are not God. Is God simply concerned with outward behavior? No. What is He most concerned about? What is God most concerned about? The heart. Yeah, God's most concerned with the heart. Likewise, we also should be concerned not just the what's of behavior, but the why. Why do we do certain things? If we don't focus on the why or, or where the behavior comes from, uh, then we'll miss the idols in our children's hearts. And ultimately, we'll miss the gospel. So, of course, this, pro this approach or that approach of focusing only on the what won't lead us to glorify God in imaging our adoption. It won't lead our children to faith if we're only looking at the outward behavior. So, if you're wondering where we are, we're just before the importance of the heart. Uh, this afternoon, we're going to talk about the importance of the heart. Then we're going to talk about some examples of how to aim at the heart. And then we'll deal with some common questions about heart-centered parenting. So the first thing is the importance of the heart. So that's where we are right now. So I think it's the inside page. Mm -hmm. Why is it foolish to focus merely on behavior? Any, any thoughts on that? Why would it be foolish to focus merely on behavior? Okay. And the Pharisees had really good behavior too, and Jesus constantly rebuked them for their lack of hearts. Yeah. Understanding. Right. Right. Yeah. It, to borrow a medical term, it, it's if we're looking at just the outward behavior, we're focusing on the symptoms, but we're not getting to the disease, the problem. So. Uh, a fever, for instance, is a symptom. But it could be COVID or it could be a common cold. And we want to make sure that we're dealing with the right problem. Right? So we got to get down to the heart. To switch metaphors, um, Ted Tripp says it's like having an apple tree in your yard and it's only producing bad apples. Okay? Imagine that tree... And there's all these apples, but they're not, they're not good to eat. Well, you could fix the problem by going down to the, to the market, buying up the best, juiciest, wonderful-looking apples, putting a little fishing line on that apple, a little, little string, and hanging them on the tree. Now, what would, what would happen? Your tree would look good, right? It'd have lots of good-looking apples on it. But, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that approach? It's faith. It's faith. Yeah. It's, it's merely outward. It's not, it's not what the tree is producing. And pretty soon, even those nice, juicy, delicious red apples are, are going to go bad. Because they're not connected to anything. 
our children's behavior tells us something about their hearts, because all behavior flows from the heart, but the way to fix it is not just to correct the outward behavior. So, first point here, the heart is the control center of behavior. So behavior then reveals the heart. Proverbs 4.23 tells us, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. <laughs> oh. Our lives flow out of our hearts. It, it reveals what we worship, what we fear, what we trust, what we hope in, what entices us. Jesus taught in Mark 7.21, for from within, out of the heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. So what your children do or say is a reflection of their heart. Even our children. Uh, Luke 6.45 says, A good man brings the good things... Out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So do you see the implications of that for parenting? We, we must not view our children's misbehavior or the misbehavior of children in our care strictly as an inconvenience for us or as, you know, the enemy working in their life, it, it certainly can be inconvenient. And, and at one level, it, it may actually <laughs> certainly be the enemy. God does say it's sin. But that outward sin is giving you a personal roadmap to their hearts. And the, the question would be, are you reading the roadmap? Are you reading the roadmap of your children's heart? So second point there, our parenting is often designed to control behavior. So what that means is that when a child in either your child or a child in your care is disobeying, what do you think about what that says about their heart? What do they worship? You know, that's what you want to. That's the question you want to be asking. What's important to them? What are they valuing? Remember, worship is ascribing worth to something. So if they're going, I want this, I want this, they're they're making value on whatever that is. Uh, looking back, even at our own parenting, I see so many times when when we slipped back into just treating the behaviors, uh, looking only for outward conformity. Um, <laughs> what a dangerous thing that is, actually. Uh, it, it, what's at stake is the gospel in our children's lives. A change in behavior doesn't come from a change in heart. A change in behavior that doesn't come from a change in heart is not desirable. It's actually dreadful. 
Let me say that one more time. A change in behavior that doesn't come from a heart, a change in heart, is not desirable. It's actually dreadful. Uh, like Andy said, Jesus repeatedly rebukes the Pharisees for honoring God with their behavior while at the same time rejecting them in their hearts. When we focus only on outward behavior, we're encouraging our children to become little Pharisees. And we don't want that. Yeah, we're going to look at some examples. I've been guilty of all of them. <laughs> and I think as I'm talking about some of the examples that we sometimes do this with our children, think to yourself, like, am I doing any of these? Which one do I tend maybe to do more of? Um, like, for example, if you'll be good in the store today, mommy will buy you a candy bar. That's called bribery. You have just hung an apple on the tree. There's an apple. How about, okay, all right, the next time you say shut up, you're going to have to uh, put a dinar in this jar. You know, so that, that we call just a random penalty, not connected to the offense. It's just kind of random something. You've just hung another apple, I'm not sure. Or this one, it makes me so sad when you disobey. You've now hurt mommy and you've ruined mommy's day. That we call guilt or manipulation. And you've just hung another apple. Or how about this? That's it, I've had it. You've been doing this all day and you won't listen. You're gonna get it now. We call that kind of just instilling the fear of man in them, just fear. You've hung an apple there. <laughs> or how about say you're sorry. Share your toy. Those are all ways that making them do we're something. making them, we're forcing obedience upon them when you just hung it out there. Can you think of others, uh, other things that might be apple hanging type of uh, trying to just get behavior to change? Yeah. Yeah. Like we all, you know, sometimes do that. Because she never she doesn't listen to me, so okay, I just yeah. Right. So ignoring ignoring them. Yeah, exactly. Hanging an apple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We kind of give up sometimes. Just okay. I'm just... Yeah. Well, of course, uh, we must control behavior. I mean, it is part of our, our, our job as parents to do that, but we, but that can't be the whole story. It can't just stop there. Now, at this point, anyone who's cared for children tends to ask a very sensible question. <laughs> okay, if I have a kid in front of me and I, I can't get to their heart, don't I still have to control their behavior? I mean, if Aren't I supposed to do that? Well, the answer to this is so important that we're going to have a whole class on it next week. And then another class devoted entirely just how to do that. So, but, but this afternoon, we'll just offer some brief initial responses. So, yes, we, we must 
control the behavior of our children, we, we are the authority in their lives. And that authority has been given to us from God. As God's agents, we are commanded to discipline them for their good. To, to save them from death, literally sometimes. To save them from death. We're, we are not promoting this idea of simply thinking and reasoning with child, the child in their heart. Oh, let's, come, let's just sit down and talk about your heart. No, we, we have to correct their behavior also. What we're promoting is to go beyond just behaviorism, just controlling behavior, to determine what is causing that behavior. And helping the child ultimately to see that and, and to understand the idols in their own hearts. Ted Tripp says this, he says, what must you do in correction and discipline? You must require proper behavior. God's law demands that. But you can't be satisfied to leave that, the matter there. Help your child ask the questions that will expose the attitude of their heart that resulted in that wrong behavior. How did his heart stray to produce that behavior? In what ways has her inability or refusal to know or trust or obey God resulted in actions or speech that are wrong? You know, so you're, you're trying to get beyond just the behavior down to the heart level. Where did that come from? Yes, we, we do certainly want to correct behavior, but to faithfully image God for our children to lead them to Christ, we must go beyond behavior. We'll come back to, to this question at the end. So what then does it, does it look like to reach the heart? Let's look at a couple examples. Chris is going to take us through these examples. And then we'll pause for questions after each one. So you've got some names here on the, the handout. Chris is going to walk through each one of these. Okay, we have Jack. Jack is a one-year-old, and he has seen you cutting with a knife, and he's old enough to point and say he wants a knife. And, you know, he's saying, well, they don't have a knife, but uh, he starts to throw a tantrum. You don't give him a knife. They can throw tantrums very young, get upset, he throws himself to the ground, he starts crying. So, what do you do? Do you give the one-year-old a knife? No. Do you give him a knife? No. Um, do you try to distract him? Give him a different toy to play with? Uh, this is sometimes not a bad idea with very young children. It's not the best idea. Though. Or the only thing you do. Or do you gently take some time, you discipline the, the one-year-old, and then you speak about the child's heart, even though they're one, and they can't understand everything. You can say, is that showing a happy heart? Is that a fussy heart? God just doesn't want us to have fussy hearts. He wants us to have a happy heart. And this child, like like every one-year-old, struggles with what sin do you see in their heart again? Selfishness. Well, yeah, okay. selfishness. Exactly. Pride. Selfishness. They want something that they can't have. So it's a, it's a chance to actually teach it. Um, and an impatient, complaining spirit to address, to see the heart issue that's going on. 
so we can start speaking the heart even at a young age. Um, okay, so that's Jack. Then we have two-year-old Christina. She's dropping her food off the tray. Bye, chair. She's taking, she's, she's got it right there. She looks at you, she looks in the eye, and you told her, don't do that. And she throws it. And you tell her again not to, and she throws it again. Anybody know that one? <laughs> so, you know, what do you do? Uh, do you stop feeding the child? That's it? No more food? No more food for a week. <laughs> right, no more food for a week. Yeah, probably not a good idea. Probably not a good idea. Do you sit and feed her by the hand so she won't drop it anymore? So you could just feed her, don't let her try to feed herself anymore. Uh, that would be behave, behavioral approach. You're just trying to make sure she doesn't ever have the opportunity to do it again. Well, not only that, but then you're stuck feeding your child for so long in your life, right? <laughs> so it's good that your child is learning. Or do you thank God for giving you the food ahead of time? And you explain that God has given us this food. He doesn't want us to waste what he gives us. And that we don't want to have wasteful, ungrateful hearts, unthankful. We can say we want to have a thankful heart. So saying we want to have thankful hearts. So see, start to see the difference in the things you're saying. Even at young ages, they can learn these. All right, getting older. We have four-year-old Sandra. She refuses to share with her sister, who's screaming her head off, that the toy is hers. Anybody um, know this one? <laughs> so do you um, rebuke the older child and tell her, give, give them, give the young Give her the toy. She wants the toy. You're older. You be responsible. You give her the toy. Um, don't you hear her screaming? Just give her the toy. <laughs> That's what we did. Because we're both youngest children. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. Not the answer to do. Um, so, or do you say, okay, let's give the younger child a different toy and try to make her happy and we'll give it to her, which is probably unlikely to work anyway for very long. Or do you sit down with both of them and we talk about whether their fight is showing hearts of love for God and love for others, or is it showing a love for themselves and things they want. And you can ask lots of questions to this four-year-old that, that it can start to understand these things. You can pray about it with them, and you can remove the toy as a discipline uh, to both of them yeah, for, for just thinking about themselves. So you see, as you get older, there are more, you can have more discussion with things. And you can imagine this takes an incredible amount of time, but it's so worth it. Uh, now you have older six-year-old Michael. He's interrupting while you're trying to talk to somebody after they've been told not to interrupt. Um, and we can teach you a little trick to help the child, too. Sometimes they just don't know what interrupting is. But uh, So do you have... Do you teach a child what interrupting is by interrupting him all the time? You know, do you say like, okay, I'm going to show you what it feels like. <laughs> like doing the same thing, like ignoring, she was ignoring and yeah, then you so ignored Yeah, so I'm just going to say, <laughs> yeah, see what it feels like? It's not nice. Yeah, so that's not the best, not the best thing to do. Um, do you ignore him? Just hope you, mommy, 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 hope you'll go away. <laughs> uh, it's not a terrible idea as a consequence, but no. The best thing you can do is explain that if he keeps doing it, he'll be disciplined. And you can ask him whether his heart is overflowing with love for himself or love for others right then when he does that. 
Do you have any patient heart? A little trick with interrupting that someone taught us, which I know a lot of y'all use. Yes, when they want to say something and you're talking, you know they come, they put their hand on, on you however tall they are. You put your hand on top of them so I know David wants to say something to me now. And I've acknowledged he's there. He doesn't have to say, Chris, 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 Chris. He can just stand there, and I know he's there. I kind of squeeze his hand, and I keep talking to y'all. And then I do, it's polite to stop and say, excuse me, one minute. Yes, David. I was just going to say you missed this one little bit part here. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, those are a little helpful. Anyway, see how, you know, see the difference in parenting, getting to the heart. And, And... Thank the Lord, I have seen this in you guys. I've learned so much. I wish I'd used the same vocabulary. I hear, does that show a happy heart? Are you showing a patient heart? Are you showing a thankful heart right now? Just to start, I've heard that a lot. So I really am encouraged by that. Mm. Yeah. So, well, we could keep going uh, on, on this, you know, all the way up till, you know, your kids are age 30. I mean, there's still parenting to go on, and it changes. The, the, the nature of your parenthood changes. We have a lot more discussion. But you're seeing the pattern, right? You're seeing the pattern. The pattern is there's some behavior that presents, and you're trying to figure out not only what is that behavior and how to correct it, but how do I get to the heart that's underneath the behavior? Because the behavior came from somewhere. It came from their heart. If we're to lead our children to Christ and image God in their lives, we won't simply take steps or make rules or correct the behavior as if the behavior was the main problem. From even the earliest ages, like the two that are here with us today, from, yeah, from even those earliest ages, we'll, see the, we'll view behavior as the direct evidence of the deepest struggles of their hearts. And those are eternal struggles. Those are lifelong issues. And that's why we want to correct the heart, not just the behaviors. Any questions before we go further in? Because we're going to talk about common questions about heart-centered parenting next. But any thoughts right now? I thought of another example um, that is often used is when they are doing something good, there's the, it's kind of, I call it behavior modification, where you tell a child, like, you're good. Don't do this because you're good. You're a good boy. You're a good girl. So, you know, so be good because you are good. Can you see the problems with telling a child that? The world definitely does it. If you tell them they're good, they'll be good. You is that true? No. What, what's wrong with that? Because we do want to praise our child, right? What's wrong with that, Joe? Yeah, it, it deceives them in thinking that they uh, have a good nature and therefore are able to uh, basically please, well, please parents and then one day please God just on their own strength. Yeah. yeah. So do we say you're bad? What do we? Uh, yeah, you say this. Your behavior shows yeah. that you do not have, it shows that you need help in I mean, just a little turn not to maybe explain the whole gospel, but just point out the need. Yeah. Yeah. You see see how you need a new Mm -hmm. desire. 
Yeah, yeah. But when you tell them they're good, you've taken away their need. You, you right there, taken away the need they have for, for the cross. Yeah. And, it, and you'd be surprised that when you're correcting some behavior, you know, God gives you uh, sometimes more time or less time when you're correcting even small behaviors that can actually turn into gospel conversations with your child. Uh, so you don't have to end up forcing those to happen. God will bring them up in the right time and in the right way. So let's talk about some questions about heart-centered heart parenting. Um, well, one, how can I expect obedience from the heart? After all, if my children aren't Christians, then they can't keep the law. That's one question that, that some people have. Well, it's an excellent and a serious question. And, and your faithful presentation of the gospel actually depends on getting the answer right. Yes, you must expect obedience from the heart. That is still God's standard. Consider the, the gospel cost of, of, of taking just merely a behavior approach uh, from, from Ted Tripp's uh, example here. Parents sometimes give children a keepable standard. You know, like, oh, at least they can do this. They think that if their children aren't Christians, they can't obey God from the heart anyway. For example, the, the Bible says to do good to those who mistreat you, but when children are, are getting bullied in the neighborhood, parents might tell them, well, just ignore the bully. Or worse, some parents might even say, well, hit them back. <laughs> well, this is unbiblical counsel. Uh, it, it simply deals at the level of the behavior and it drives children away from the cross. It doesn't take grace from God to ignore the person who's oppressing you. It doesn't take supernatural grace to stand up for your rights and throw the punch. To do good to, to those who are, are persecuting you, to pray for those who mistreat you, to entrust yourself to a just judge requires a child to come face to face with the poverty in his own spirit and his need of the transforming power of the gospel. So the law of God is not easy for us as natural people. The standard is high. And it can't be achieved apart from God's supernatural grace. God's law, the first use of God's law, is that it teaches us that we need God's grace. When you fail to hold out the, the when you fail to hold out the gospel, or I'm sorry, the, the the standard of God's law, you rob your children of the mercy that comes from the gospel. So we we Getting to the heart of behavior is essential to getting to the gospel with our children. So don't, don't rob children of the mercy of the gospel by only giving them rules that they, that they can keep. We, 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 we want to hold a high standard, even if they can't reach it, because it teaches them of their need for the gospel.
Um, second question. Do I have to do this every time they disobey? Do I have to sit them down and have this, you know, kind of face-to-face thing? That's another common question. Uh, the answer is mostly yes. <laughs> but we, we want to strike a note of realism here. You know, there are times when it, it just won't, it's just not possible. You may have a moment where you're, you're late to church. There's just no time. There's been a lot of disobedience. And, and the child, maybe you've had a lot of those conversations already. And they understand where their heart is supposed to be. So it doesn't, you don't need to walk through the whole thing again every time. But you do want to come back again. What's one of the easiest ways for people to learn? Repetition. <laughs> so the more we say it, the, the soon it will sink in. But even if these situations, uh, in these situations, we want to mention the heart and the sin revealed. You know, so let's say, let's take that one where you're late to church. Uh, it might be a conversation that goes something like this. Listen, we're late to church, but on the way, I want mom to read Ephesians 6 1, and we're going to talk about how whether you showed a heart of honor when you yelled about your clothes. Uh, that might be one way to do it. Another one might be, honey, we've had a lot of discipline about this today. That was a fussy heart again, wasn't it? <laughs> so, what does mom need to do about that fussy heart? You know, that idea of hearing it over and over again, you know, there's, there is power of children hearing things again and again. Uh, uh, last, last question here. This is hard work. <laughs> and I'm seeing very little fruit. Can you just encourage me? <laughs> I mean, sometimes... Parenting is like that. It is hard work. And, and you, you, sometimes you think, oh my goodness, especially when they're little, you know, you're thinking, I've got 18 years of this, <laughs> you know. And, and it is. It's, it is hard work. But man, it is so worth it. And goes so fast, like the articles. <laughs> yeah, like Andy's article she sent out. Well, and, and the thing is, is that it doesn't come naturally at first. You know, many of you are on your first or second children, and and it. The more you practice in your parenting, the the easier it will. You know, so so don't get discouraged, and especially moms, you know, or those that are home most with the with the kids. Uh, you'll probably get really weary. Uh, tired uh, not probably you will get tired uh, but don't forget the heart uh, you, you may find yourself especially in those you know years of where they're starting to really push boundaries and and they can speak but they can't really communicate um, you may find yourself disciplining all day long and even slipping back into bad habits just be encouraged 
that you are seeking to obey God as you train their hearts. God knows the task He's given to you. And, and He will give you grace to do it. He, 1 Peter 1, 3 says He's given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who loved us and gave Himself for us. Look to your spouse. Look to women. Look to your husband for oversight and guidance and, and even some quality control. You know, did I say that right? Do you think I could have said that better? Uh, what do you think about this particular discipline idea? Uh, your husband may well be coming in more fresh than you if you've been doing it all day long. And, and husbands, engage. <laughs> don't, don't disengage. You know, be involved. Be there. It's a long road. Uh, so you, you're, you need to partner together on this. So we're going to talk more about corrective discipline in a future class. Corrective discipline is what God has designed for our children's good, and it's a necessary complement uh, to it. But uh, let me let me conclude. Have you noticed any? Have you noticed what an inappropriate focus on behavior says about our hearts? If we're focusing only on the outward behavior, it says something about us and our hearts too. That sometimes maybe we're tending towards legalism ourselves. Just wanting, wanting them to do right. Do right. Or if that's not what we're doing, maybe we're libertarian. Maybe we're, we're, we're just letting them go. Letting them do their thing. They're children. They're young. Just let them be. They'll outgrow it. The gospel... The gospel needs to be uh, the thing that informs us and informs our own hearts. We, uh, we un sometimes we uncritically adopt the parenting strategies from our, our parents, or maybe even out of convenience without realizing that the, the gospel revolutionizes everything, we include it into our own parenting. Remember that we're God's agents in the lives of our children. And with God's help, let's get to the heart of their behavior. Because that's what God does for us. Amen? Yeah. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you have given us a great task in the raising of children. Uh, it's amazing to me to think that you have even uh, allowed us to, to be involved in that process. These eternal souls that you have placed in our homes, in our care, at, at a very vulnerable time in their life, all the way through till they're making decisions on their own. Lord, we pray that the, the way that we parent would help our children to see their need for you, to, to understand the, the wickedness of their hearts. And that the only hope for them is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, may the, the way that we parent image the gospel in their hearts. So that one day, 
by your grace, and we do pray for that, Lord, that every one of these children and those that are future children yet to come, that they will call on the name of Jesus. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen.